Insights to Live By, the podcast, discovering new pearls of wisdom to enrich our lives. Can you choose to make the most of every moment? How do you face adversity? Hello and welcome to Insights to Live By. I am your host, Matt Zinman, and I can only begin to tell you how flat out stoked I am to have you join me for this special solo show. So thank you very much for being here. It is an honor to have you. Now, just so you're not anything but pleasantly surprised, you will be on the receiving end of an all-important question. But before we get ahead of ourselves, it does merit noting the importance of knowing when to quit which is the subject of our current guest episode with Kanoor Bahal, author of the forthcoming book, I Quit, The Life-Affirming Joy of Giving Up. And I admit, it does sound odd to hear myself seem so enthusiastic about quitting, which begs the question, is there such a thing as a good quit? And of course there is. Kanoor is here to prove it. And she's also the founder and CEO of Mindhatch, a design thinking firm, as well as an accomplished improv comedy performer, trainer, and coach. So you will find this conversation is full of great energy and insights. So be sure to listen in. Today, wait. Scratch that. Right now, in this very moment, is an all-important, simple question with what you might find has no easy answer. And here it is. Are you happy? Okay, hold that thought and allow me to clarify some things before jumping to any conclusions. And on one hand, I encourage you to be in the moment which you could interpret as being about your current mood in terms of your mental and emotional state. In this case, being happy might be some level of positive and pleasant feelings that range from general contentment to intense joy. All right, fair enough. Let's go with that for a moment. Are you happy? In fact, If you looked up the meaning of happy, you'll expectedly find that it is characterized by well-being and contentment. However, there's actually nothing in the definition that indicates anything more than it being anything more than momentary. And if we shift from the adjective to the noun, you'll find happiness defined as the quality or state of being happy, and more specifically, the state of joy, peace, and tranquility, which sounds pretty good. Again, there's still no indication of anything more than something that is fleeting. 
And the reason seems fair enough, because given the inevitability of any number of ongoing challenges in our lives, being in a state of happiness is not a sustainable experience. And that notion seems consistent in reference to what we all know to be the pursuit of happiness in our Declaration of Independence. What I find odd about this is how pursuit is mainly defined by chasing something, and in a sense, one we never quite catch, which is a less than positive thought. And I suddenly digress to Wiley Coyote, somehow seems to maintain a positive attitude, even though he's never caught the roadrunner. Or did he? Which, as unexpected as that may have sounded, is actually a reliable segue to the true meaning of the question at hand. Are you happy in terms of your life satisfaction overall? Now, this question is fraught with its own set of complexities because the reality is that this definition of happiness is only as accurate as what it means for each individual. And when we expand the question to being about overall satisfaction, it reflects a broader perspective about what it means to live a happy life. And I think you'll find, it's fair to say, that we live in something of a happy, obsessed society, constantly bombarded with happy, smiling faces on TV or billboard ads, with imagery of others telling us their version of happiness. What can be even worse is when we see our own friends or acquaintances on social media posting photos of their often ridiculously happy lives, but never sharing any raw feelings of what's really going on offline. It's something of an unspoken law that we all want to be happy. But the reality is that most of us have not thought about what happiness means for ourselves. And that may not include you. But a lot of people get caught up in the pursuit and think, if only I had the right kind of job, the right group of friends, the right partner, then I would be happy. And we work hard to chase certain goals and to dream as if to reach the peak of some mountain. Does that sound familiar? And I grew up being part of Generation X, the children of the baby boomers. And it does seem all too common for many people to think of the path to happiness as being, if only I had fill in the blank, then I'll be happy. Is this something that you ever think of or hear yourself say? So if this mindset isn't something that resonates with you, there's probably a good chance that someone you know comes to mind. Now, for conversation purposes, let's level the playing field here to answer the big question by assuming there's stability in life, which is to say that your basic needs are being met You're generally in good health, and there's no circumstantial crisis, such as a job loss or divorce or, goodness forbid, losing a loved one. Now, by basic needs, we're talking about having a roof over your head, food in the fridge, and you can take your kid to the doctor. 
Essentially, you have no foreseeable major financial strain. And that's not to say no credit card debt or even overdue bills, because if that were the case, there'd be a lot fewer people around to answer this question. Okay, now that we've settled that, the question remains, are you happy? Wait, while we're on topic, I wonder, do you believe that money buys happiness? I mean, it helps, but then how is it possible that some of the poorest people on the planet do live much happier lives than some of the wealthiest people? Life is relative. And you're also free to say, if only I had X number of dollar signs, I'd be happy. As we draw closer to the answer, there absolutely are a number of facets to our quality of life that are well-established as unequivocally contributing to our individual happiness. And in fact, I will make a point to discuss these in some detail. Certainly, One that immediately comes to mind is the tried and true practice of gratitude. And we'll give that its due. And after all, if you can't be grateful for what you have now, then the obvious question is whether you'll ever be happy. Now, that opens up a whole other category for defining happiness and aligning our mindset. That being perception. And If you're already familiar with my work on this topic, then you know about taking a perception snapshot of your individual life circumstances, such as those basic needs being met, health and romance, family, friendships, job, finances, and work-life balance, to name a few. And you can then go through each and make that snap decision to assign a positive or a negative for each category for whatever reasons. Now, there's more to it, but the underlying point that matters most and goes to the very heart of this discussion is that when it comes to perception, there's no denying the fact that optimism and pessimism apply to the very same set of circumstances. And it's not to say that life isn't hard at times. It is. And that's surely a constant for everyone. And certainly, some more than others to varying degrees. And while we wish we had more control in life, and ultimately, there's so much that's out of our control, the point here is that we do have control over optimism and pessimism. Yes, we're basically at the glass-half-full-or-empty scenario. So, if you step back from everything with objectivity and are asked... If you could choose optimism or pessimism, which sounds like the better choice? And yes, that was rhetorical. And with perception, optimism also has a lot to do with expectation. So let's say that person A and person B have identical circumstances. And person A wakes up and thinks, this is going to be a cruddy day. And person B wakes up and thinks, This is going to be an awesome day. Which person is more likely to have the happier day? Again, rhetorical. But that's the thing about optimism. It's about being hopeful and confident about desired future outcomes. Future outcomes, which 
ironically, spotlights a certain problem with optimism, which is that it's not actually happening in the present, which also happens to be the only time when life is actually happening. And so that brings us to a void in essential need of filling. What does it mean to always choose the half full glass? How might we describe as optimism in real time and as a practical reflex to enrich our lives? Well, I'm pretty sure you know where I'm going with this, but first, I'd just like to take a moment to say how grateful I am that you believe in me and to have you here to share this experience together. What I'm about to say has come about because I've been able to trust myself to keep going with Zisms, the podcast, courses, community, all of it so far and yet to come. And I can truly say that this is the happiest that I have ever been in the present and about the future. And truth be told, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I'd still be focused on what I've considered my life's work in running the nonprofit the past 15 years. And I do think it's time will come again, but as of now, I'm continuing to lean in with everything I've got. And it's been during this recent process in developing the full Zism's Life Upgrade course and all the rest that I found this void about what it means to always choose optimism in real time. And as you're kind enough to continue to indulge me a bit more here, I'd like to introduce you to the concept of happierness. Happierness means to strive to make the most of every moment. It's about having a reflex of persistent positivity about real-time circumstances. It's about exercising your free will to choose to experience life from the best possible vantage point at all times. Now, having enough of a sense of me, I've been giving this a lot of thought, including about the ripple effect across all things Zisms and in moving forward. And as a result, I now consider happiness to be the premier mindset of Zisms to maintain that spirit of fulfillment, joy, and life enrichment in the present. I also now associate Z-Man, the storied image on the cover of Zisms and all else, as the symbol of happiness. And if you take a good look at him and the way he appears to be cheerfully marching forward, undaunted, it's as though he was meant to personify this concept all along. And though not yet a recognized word, happiness is also not meant to be a modifier to the existing derivatives, such as happy, happier, or happiness. It embodies an independent mentality and state of being in the perpetual present to perceive occurrences in the best possible light at all times. 
we already know that happiness as defined is not a sustainable state of being. And in contrast, regardless of incidental life strife at any time, happiness exists in the silver linings along a spectrum of real-time optimism. In this way, happiness in its own right demonstrates a certain boundlessness in relation to the human condition as being fluid. For example, someone who, quote, has never been happier can still be happier. If someone were to claim they, quote, couldn't be happier, well, how would they ever learn and grow, among all else? So, you're probably beginning to sense that I'm a little enamored with this whole notion of happiness, and in fact, so much so that I invested to register it with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, now assigned serial number 90530903. Okay, now that we have that out of the way, it's time to share some hard truth about this happiness journey, which is to say it hasn't all been smooth sailing. In fact, the reaction from my biggest fan, that being my wife Erica, is that she's, quote, not a fan of what she considers to be made-up words. And while I strive to contradict her as little as possible, I'm pretty sure that every word in every dictionary, in every language, started out as a made-up word at some point. And then there's Erica's daughter, Greta, who is all of 16, and whose exact reaction to happiness was that, quote, it sounds like something a first grader says because they overslept at nap time and missed their English lesson that day. And like, that's pretty much Greta in a nutshell. She is the perfect dose of humility. Like, if we were to cut to commercial for a moment, you might imagine it being along the lines of, Feeling overconfident? We can remedy that in three easy steps. Knock on Greta's door, open it, and say anything. Literally, anything. (laughs) So, you gotta love Greta. And I totally do. Now, back to our regularly scheduled present moment about happiness. And what was, and remains, my actual reaction in real time which made me realize that happiness is actually a vetting process for Zisms. I literally said to Erica and Greta, whoever doesn't find it within themselves to react positively, or at least with open-minded curiosity to know more, well, they're just not my peeps. And in all fairness to them, they do get their fill of me and Zism, so I don't take it personally, Uh, at least not more than, you know, with some healthy humility. And having said that, what I've realized is that even without giving this mindset to develop a reflex of positivity, a name, the whole happiness concept is something I've always followed and now identify with ever stronger. It's been something of my true north in terms of resilience and being something of an antidote for adversity. And some of it might be about striving to stay even keeled and 
keep depression at bay. And I've shared quite a bit about that lifelong battle and my endeavors to advocate for mood health. It's also about prevention and not sweating the small stuff to make it a lot easier to deal with something when you shake it off in the first place. Happiness also feeds into what's been another foundational concept for me about earned confidence as yet another remedy to conquer adversity in my life, just like whatever that is for any one of us. And the simple but all-important fact being that we're all still standing. And though I hope you've heard me say this before, that we know ourselves to be fully capable of dealing in real time with whatever happens. And there's that real-time theme again. In fact, something happened recently I found pretty cool, and that confirmed that I've practiced happiness longer than I'd realized. And this happened last year as part of promoting the book. And naturally, in writing and publishing Zisms, I reached out to a lot of people. More like everyone I've ever known, number of people. And among all else, what was great about this was that it gave me the opportunity to reconnect with a lot of people who I haven't spoken to or to some degree even thought of for quite a few years. And one of these individuals was a gentleman named Warren, who I regard as one of my key mentors when I was very young in my career in brand marketing and communication management. And we've been out of touch for at least 25 years. And one of the nicest things that came about as a result of reconnecting with him was that we picked up right where we left off, including with his kindness in continuing to offer some words of encouragement. And in his reaction about my publishing the book and all it encompasses, he said, you know, Matt, good for you. I've always known you to be relentlessly positive. I have to say, that was a moment that just stopped me in my tracks. Because as I thought about it, for anyone, especially someone I respect, who had that as the lasting impression I left from all of those years ago, and how it resonated so strongly to this day, it literally gave me the gift to reconnect with my younger self to realize that this is how I've always been. Is that something born out of resilience from everything in my youth, or is it some sort of innate character trait? Well, then it hit me, and I thought, wow, relentlessly positive. That's just about as accurate of a descriptor as I could come up with. What this did was suddenly reinforce how I think about myself and strengthen that self-identity for moving forward as someone who will continue to overcome whatever adversity comes my way. And some of that is earned confidence, but at a broader level, some of that is just me and what I now can refer to more concretely as happiness. So as we continue to explore the bounds of happiness, are you able to think of times when you put it to good use for yourself? There's one big example that immediately comes to mind for me, and actually 
a small one from just this week. All right, let's start by going big, which takes us back to early 2019 when I was trying to secure a major grant for my nonprofit, the Internship Institute, that was for nearly $400,000 from a foundation in Delaware called the Longwood Foundation, which is actually run by the DuPont family, in particular the gentleman named Thayer DuPont. There's definitely a lot I could get into here, but the short of it is that to even put the nonprofit in the running, I had to establish a presence in Delaware so that at grant time, we could demonstrate that we were already serving the community, which I did, and which over a period of a solid year easily involved 50 to 60 car rides for between 90 minutes to three hours and back. And that involved going to meetings and getting to know the players, including meeting Mr. DuPont several times and picking up some projects along the way. And I did everything to put us in a strong position to be in the running. And as you can imagine, submitting a grant application of that magnitude was no small feat itself, including going in and presenting to an audience, mainly of one, that being Thayer DuPont himself, who, by the way, is a terrific human being, to say the least. So ultimately, the way the process works is that after the grant decisions are made by the Foundation's Board of Trustees, you get a personal 15-minute phone call from Thayer, and he gives you the news about receiving the grant, or not. And you know where this is going. So I was as confident as one could feel about being awarded that near $400,000 grant and a solid year of work. And yet, in disappointing me, he explained how it turned out that there were an overabundance of grantees in our category in this particular funding round and that several others won grants, including one that was nearly a million dollars. So in relation to evaluating our application, he explained how the board, while they were actually incredibly impressed, felt it necessary to fund other types of worthy projects. Now, I've come to know Thayer as someone that doesn't mince words. If there were any flaws in our application, he wouldn't concern himself with sparing my feelings. But instead, which was almost worse, all he could say was essentially that we drew the short straw by applying in an exceptionally competitive funding round. He literally had nothing but positive feedback, except for the one that mattered most. Adding some insult to injury, as the saying goes, is that the way these things work with a foundation like Longwood is that you become ineligible to reapply for two and a half years. So we didn't even have to go the full 15 minutes. There wasn't really much else to say or do. And the conversation came to that point just shy of there being an awkward silence. And I was also entirely mindful that this was a real character moment for me. And so after that seemingly longer pause, I thanked Mr. DuPont for everything, and I summed it up in three words. I said, you know, Thayer, I am undeterred. Which immediately let the air out of the conversation, and he had a few more kind words to say, 
but I could sense his relief too. I mean, making those calls is not the easiest part of his job, and I could tell it was especially hard because all he could say was that we got a bad break and he and I had you know good rapport, so it's no fun disappointing me, and I was, of course, disappointed, but I remain undeterred, which, of course, immediately resonates with being relentlessly positive. And that's the reflex to adversity that happiness represents. In fact, my gift from Erica this year were AirPods, which you know also lets you inscribe the charger case, which says, undeterred. And thanks for letting me share that. The smaller example that comes to mind from this week is actually an injury I sustained the other night during a hockey game. And it was an innocent play, and I had a collision with an opposing player, and some of the impact, I hit my right hand and borderline felt like I broke my middle finger on the inner knuckle. And I was still able to grip my stick and kept playing and tolerate the pain, but I knew it wasn't good. And, you know, the first part of my reaction was, well, I was glad I could finish the game. I wasn't knocked out of the game. And aside from being right-handed, it's also the same finger I injured, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. So, you know, not to gross you out or anything, but it was already crooked. (laughs) By the time I got home, the knuckle swelled to probably about twice its size, so much so that it broke the skin. And so it was, you know, kind of routine. I iced it for a while and went to bed, and the next day I still had to ice it. And I thought about getting an x-ray, but figured it can't be too bad since I can bend it most of the way, if not for the swelling. Anyway, I've also played hockey one time since and did okay, so I was pretty happy about that. And I've already missed a lot because of COVID, and I didn't want to miss more games. And plus, my team needs me, right? (laughs) Uh, Probably another key point is that I'm also okay typing on the computer, which would be a huge pain if that didn't work out. So it's been feeling better every day. And this morning, although the swelling hasn't subsided entirely, I'm looking at it, and I realized it's healing straighter than it was before. That's right. The injury although it hurt like hell, seems to have occurred on an angle that did more to fix my original industry than it did to worsen it. So in this case, my happiness just keeps on giving. Again, thanks for letting me share that too. Hopefully it didn't make you cringe too much, but I'm glad to have this negative seemingly ending up as a positive. And one of the reasons that you continue to hear me reinforce this point is to counter the fact that most people have a natural negativity bias, that tendency to pay more attention to bad things than to good things. And this can have an impact on everything from how you make decisions to how you form impressions of other people. You know, discounting the positive, that's a cognitive distortion where people focus on the negative and ignore the positive which also contributes to more negative thoughts. So reframing these negative perceptions isn't about ignoring the bad. It's about trying to have a more balanced, realistic look at events. It's essential to notice these patterns so that you can then challenge those negative thoughts. And part of this brings us back to taking that perception snapshot. Whatever you can consider to be overall positive, spend a minute to be grateful for each one. And for those you view negatively, adopt the most optimistic vantage point of each. And then spend a minute to confirm, well, what's the single action you can take to make things better? 
Well, that said, there's also no way to sugarcoat the certain realities of life and that we all experience difficult emotions and circumstances. People get sick. We lose our jobs. Relationships fall apart. Things break. Shit happens. The whole concept of happiness is not about taking shortcuts through the natural strife in our lives. Sometimes there's just no other way but through. But again, I hope that sharing this with you is beginning to jog your memory about your own self-defining moments, and especially those you can identify as being consistent with this happiness mindset. And as we wind down here, I hope you decide to take a few more minutes to go there. It can be anything from a major life event to how you responded to some sort of adversity in everyday life. Again, what we're talking about here is that real-time reflex of positivity. Ideally, it's something negative that you chose to turn into a positive. Maybe even you surprised yourself. And as my final point to reiterate about happiness, for now, is to focus on its core qualities of being positive, present, and expansive. Happiness is experiential in the moment and among the many other experiences that fall into this category are gratitude, joy, passion, love, self-kindness, outward kindness, pleasure, mindfulness, consciousness, enrichment, perception, awareness, earned confidence, humor, fun, adventure, originality, inspiration, imagination, creativity, discovery, openness, pleasant surprises, progress, courage, playfulness, aspiration, respect, romance, spontaneity, truth, wisdom, knowledge, and relentless positivity overall. Okay, that does it for me. Next week, please join me for yet another special solo episode that will also revisit happiness, but more on the practical side of habits for a happy life. Thank you again for joining me, and I sincerely wish you the greatest of happiness. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Insights to Live By. Be sure to connect with me at mattzinman.com in our happiness community and get our free video series, Three Zisms for a Better Life. Wishing you and yours an enriching day, and we'll see you next time.